This is Remembrance Sunday. A day when we especially recall the consequences of suffering and loss in times of war. So many have been called over the years to serve their country. Many, many of those were injured or died. The 20th century was a time of terrible warfare. The 21st century has been marked by terrorism and more localized conflicts, many of which are going on today. Conflicts which have caused no less pain to those who are involved. At every hand, people are divided. We see riots, terrorism, warfare. When you think about it, it becomes clear. From bullying in the school playground to warfare in Armenia and its surroundings, fighting in Mali, the rioting we've seen in the streets of America this past summer. Family breakdowns, prisons full. Our world needs reconciliation. But what we often forget is that this trouble in our world is caused because we need reconciliation with God before all else. That reconciliation is the foundation upon which peace can come to people and peace can come to nations. We in our natural state are rebels against the Holy God. In chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul says that he, verse 6, says that he is his confident. He is confident because his eyes are on the presence of the Lord, not the state of this world. Our text for today is verse 18. God hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. 
And firstly, I want you to see that reconciliation is a completed fact. This is the whole reason that the Lord Jesus Christ came into this world and died on the cross. His death was no tragic misunderstanding. His death was not an example of patient endurance, nor of peaceful defiance. No, his death was his great work of reconciliation. It was the whole purpose for which he left heaven's glory. He came in the great plan of the Father. He came in humble obedience. As we read in Philippians chapter 2 verse 8. And being found in fashion as a man. He humbled himself and became became obedient unto death. Even the death of the cross. What did the eternal son. The second person of the triune God. What did he do? To bring reconciliation in his death on the cross. Look at verse 19 of 2 Corinthians 5. To wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. not imputing their trespasses unto them. On the one hand, we see God who is pure and holy. And on the other, people like you and I. Any reasonable person would have to agree that none of us is perfect. It is far worse than making an occasional mistake. We are all sinners. We are all trespassers against God's holy law. We think, we say, we do things which are wrong. And to make matters worse, we find it easier to see other people's faults rather than our own. We urgently need to look to ourselves to see what the Holy God of glory sees. Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 6. All we, all, like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. We need that same realization, that attitude that the psalmist had. Psalm 51 verse 4. When he made that great confession against thee, thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. 
when we speak of Jesus dying on the cross, remember, sin is the reason that he suffered. He was paying the penalty for his people's sin. He was bearing that guilt and shame on that cross. She humbled himself. He who was pure. He who had never had even the thought of breaking God's law. He suffered there on that cross. Not because he was guilty, but because he was counted as guilty. Verse 19, not imputed trespasses unto them. The word impute means to count, to recognize as responsible. We could say that if you're playing hockey and you, you score a goal, that goal would be imputed onto you. But if you give away a foul that results in a penalty, that foul, that breaking of the rules would be imputed onto you. You would be guilty. Our trespasses, our guilt, is not imputed unto us. If we are in Christ, that debt is no longer owed by those who are in Christ Jesus, because we read in verse 21, He has made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. Our guilt, our sin, was laid on Christ. Well, because of Christ's sacrifice on the cross, that debt is no longer counted as ours. It's paid by Christ. And that is the great doctrine of imputation. This is what the Baptist, what John the Baptist was speaking of when he declared, John chapter 1 verse 29, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. He came to save his people from their sins. He did that by having his people's sins taken from their account and placed on his account where he paid the debt in full. First Peter chapter 2 verse 24 who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we having died to sins might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. This is penal substitutionary atonement. Some in our modern age have derided this as cosmic child abuse. That is heresy. 
Christ's suffering and death on that cross is the greatest truth before the resurrection. He suffered in the place of his people. He bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness by whose stripes we are You were healed. Do you see the amazing wonder of this gracious work of reconciliation? The cost that was paid to buy peace. Peace for people like us. Not because we deserve it, but because God is gracious and merciful. The great price paid to save wretches like us. Do you begin to realize how much you have been forgiven? Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 through 33. Our Lord gives us a parable which contrasts two people who owed to someone else. We see there, one is said to owe his Lord, verse 24, 10,000 talents. We might describe that as, as the wealth of a multimillionaire. An unimaginable sum to an ordinary servant. Impossible for him to pay it back. The other owed 100 pence, a few weeks wages. See the contrast. The first servant could never have repaid. But verse 27, he was forgiven it all. He was forgiven it all. Yet he did not appreciate that act of grace. His heart was not changed. So he went on to demand a smaller sum be paid in full. We need to appreciate afresh that we are sinners saved by grace. The cost of reconciliation is beyond our comprehension. And that means, of course, that sins against us in our persons are so much smaller. They are of insignificant size and consequence. And so we should be ready to forgive others. Isn't that what the Lord taught in his prayer? Forgive us. Forgive us as we forgive those who trespass against us. So, reconciliation is a completed fact. Secondly, reconciliation. That we might be made the righteousness of God in 
Christ. Again, this is imputation. Those who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ not only have their sin, their debt counted as Christ's, but they have Christ's righteousness counted as theirs. You see there, verse 21, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. This is the new garment provided, which makes us fit to enter into the presence of the king of kings. When, when the prodigal son repented and came in humble faith to the Father. You can read that in Luke's Gospel, chapter 15. We see there in verse 22, he was given new garments. In the parable of the wedding feast, the invitation went out. Many came. But there was one who insisted his own clothes were good enough. Matthew Chapter 22, verse 11. And when the king came in to see the guests, he saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment. And he saith unto him, Friend, how camest thou in hither not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. That man was thrown out. We have no righteousness of our own to put on. But how wonderful with forgiveness through the reconciling work of Christ on that cross also comes the righteousness of Christ. He lived his life sinless. He was tested. He was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. Never once did he have to apologize. Never once did he say a word that was out of place. His righteousness. His righteousness placed to our account. That is is a legal righteousness. But it is also seen in daily life. Verse 17 tells us, If any man be in Christ, he is a, he is a new creature, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Jesus spoke to Nicodemus about our need for the new birth, that need for the work of the Holy Spirit to give us new life within. The Christian faith is not about an outward effort at keeping the law. That way is the way of failure, of judgment. 
Rather, it is the way of repentance and faith of looking unto the finished work of Christ. It is the way of new life because he rose from the dead. It is the work of the Holy Spirit within us. As the word is taken and applied to our hearts and mixed with faith there. And this is seen in our daily lives. A new creation. Think back to the first creation. God created man. The new creation. God makes us new. It is his work. It's not our work. It is the work of the Holy Spirit who gives new life. No longer are we walking on the Broadway. Old things, verse 17, old things are passed away because Behold, all things are become new. But this does not mean that we instantly become sinlessly perfect. Far from it. For else we would not have been taught to ask for forgiveness every day. Nor would we have been given the assurance if any man sinned. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. However, our lives are to be seen to be on a new road, going to a new destination. Romans chapter 8, the 11th verse. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. There is to be this daily warfare, this need uh, to mortify the deeds of the body, of the old man, uh, to live in the spirit. We have a living Savior. He rose triumphant from the tomb. So it is that we are to walk in newness of life. Looking unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of the faith. So it is that we have seen that reconciliation is a a completed work. Reconciliation means that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. Thirdly, We must note that we are here to proclaim this message of reconciliation. Verse 20, we read, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, 
as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. An ambassador. An ambassador is a representative for a sovereign. An ambassador has been sent with a message. And so it is that the Lord has left his people here in this world as his ambassadors. His witnesses with his message. In particular, in the context of this passage, that this is, is of course, he's talking about the apostle, the other apostles. It's talking about the elders, the pastors, the teachers in the church. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11 tells us that our Lord, when he ascended on high, gave gifts. And we read, and he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. We have the message of the, the apostles and the prophets with us in the New Testament. It is this message that we are commissioned to deliver in the world today. To proclaim Christ's finished work of reconciliation. To call for repentance and faith. We can do this with confidence because we go in the name of the Lord of glory because Jesus has risen from the dead. Hallelujah. Does this truth begin to grasp your souls? We need not despair when we look at the trouble in the world today. We are to expect it. The world is full of rebels, but we have a message of hope. Look unto Jesus. You shall live. Oh, dear friends, let us see the wonder of the God that we serve. Let us see the glory of the risen Christ. This message of reconciliation that has been given unto us, not because we are worthy to proclaim it, but because it is the Lord's message. And he has chosen to use people like us as his messengers. His witnesses are in the world today. Amidst the darkness, we are here to shine out the gospel light, to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. This message is to be proclaimed to every tribe and every nation. This message is to be given out without any sense of discrimination. It is for rich. It is for poor. It is for the despised. As well as the popular. 
Oh, dear friends, it is the Lord's work. It is why we are here. He's given us, He has committed unto us this word of reconciliation. Think about that for a moment. He has given us his word of reconciliation. That means we are not here uh, to, to tweak it a little, to add something extra to it, to take something offensive away from it. It is the faith that was once delivered unto the saints that we are here to proclaim. Yes, the message is offensive to some. That is true. Yes, if we water it down, if we we add a little sugar, sweeten it up, we can actually make our message more popular. But it would not be God's word. It would not be God's word of reconciliation. It would not be God's good news. It would be a false gospel. That would deceive people and lead them away from Christ and his finished work, his glorious resurrection. Jesus said, Matthew 28, verse 18, All power is given unto me in heaven and on earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always unto the end of the world. How important is this matter of being reconciled to God, to you? Does the fact of Christ's death and glorious resurrection thrill your soul? Do you talk about the risen Saviour? Every day? It's not just for Sunday morning or Sunday evening. It's not even just for the Bible study. It's for every day. It's for whatever we are doing. Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. He's given unto his church, this ministry of reconciliation. It's what we're here for. But dear friend, what about you? Do you know this wonderful truth for yourself? That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Oh, my friend, turn to Christ. Repentance and faith. Trust in his finished work alone. 
and you will know the wondrous truth of reconciliation. The wondrous truth of being in Christ. He is alive. Amen.